Blog Talk Radio. Your signpost to cleaner water. The 
Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We've got a great show lined up for you today. It is the first first Thursday of August, which means we have poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray, PhD. She's joining us and is going to be talking all about turkey diseases and especially those that we want to be uh, careful and look out for that may um, affect our chickens, especially. Many of you keep both turkeys and chickens. Um, You may have them in the same pen, which is really not recommended, Um, and even right next to each other that really isn't that recommended. But, um, but hey, we know you got to do with what you do with what you got. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, for those of you who do keep chickens and turkeys, it's going to be an interesting show. Uh, maybe you're interested in getting some turkeys or growing your backyard flock or growing your homestead or growing your farm, and you've been thinking about getting some, uh, some turkeys. I think it's a little late. I think it's a little late in the season to then start. Yes, if you want that at that turkey dinner for Thanksgiving, uh, maybe not for Christmas, but I think back in July, uh, June, July was when we really, I think we're going to start those. Um, but anyhow, I think it's a little late, but uh, nevertheless, I'm sure you can find some great uh, turkey farms in, in your area where you can go and pick one out for the holidays if that is your cup of tea and you choose to do so. So um, getting all geared up, busy here around the homestead, getting ready for the big tour. We leave in... Uh, I think it's about 10 days. Let me see and look at the calendar here. Seven, uh, maybe 11 days uh, we'll leave. And uh, first things first, we're heading up to uh, CDC headquarters in Atlanta for a national webinar, and uh, it's all about uh, backyard poultry for the season. So we'll talk about molting. We're going to talk about a light in the coop. We're going to talk about uh, uh, keeping your chickens um, uh, satisfied through the winter, and um, uh, if you choose to heat, how to heat it uh, safely and appropriately, and, and again, how to keep your chickens and your family safe from disease. And then after that, that's Tuesday the 19th, and, and you go to our Facebook page, you can sign up for that for free. Time is limited, space is limited, uh, but I think there's some spaces left, so you can go ahead and sign up for that absolutely, 100% free, great webinar with myself and uh, two, uh, two uh, doctors 
uh, veterinary medicine epidemiologist, and um, they vet with the USDA and CDC. So it's going to be a really interesting show, very educational. We hope you can join us, and you can get that link on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Chicken Whisperer. And that is, uh, this, uh, let's see, that is the 19th, Tuesday the 19th. So there's a little bit more time for you to register, but go ahead and do that before space clears out. And then we're, uh, we're hitting the road, uh, spreading the chicken love again, heading up the East Coast all the way up to Maine. Let me pull this up, and I'll give you the, uh, the uh, perspe- perspective dates. This is, I guess it's not – we're rolling with this. So um, looks like uh, August the 22nd, Friday, August 22nd, Mechanicsville, Virginia. Now, there's some of these town names I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill um, because uh, being the southern boy that I am, some of these you may pronounce them differently up north, and that's all right. Um, bless your hearts. So uh, that's okay if you want to pronounce it wrong. I, I, I'll, I'll cut you some slack. So um, <laughs> we got Friday, August 22nd, Mechanicsville, Virginia. Uh, Saturday, August 23rd, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, Sunday, August 24th, we've got Westminster, Maryland. Uh, Monday, uh, August 25th, we've got York, Pennsylvania. So that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, four events in four days. I'm going to be wiped out. Um, but uh, then we then uh, we have uh, let's see uh, a little bit of a break while we're in that Pennsylvania about four days and then we got Saturday August 30th Quakertown Pennsylvania Sunday August 31st uh, New Milford Connecticut Monday September 1st Farmington Connecticut and then about a three day break then we have another Thursday. Uh, I think Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, we've got Thursday, September 4th, and I'm, this is the one that I normally uh, torture. Um, I would pronounce it uh, Leo Minster, or, but I know that's wrong. I've been corrected on that before. Uh, uh, anyway, um, Lemon, Lemon Minster or something like that, because it's not, to me, that's like a lemon, uh, but it's L-E-O-M. That's, and that's not how I spell or say lemon, but L E. O-M-I-N-S-T-E-R, uh, maybe um, uh, Massachusetts. <laughs> Told you that's going to cream one. Let's see, uh, Saturday, September 6th, we've got uh, Bennington, Vermont. Sunday, September 7th, Sarasota Springs, New York. Monday, September 8th, Claremont, New Hampshire. And then the last three, Maine, we got uh, September 11th, Thursday, Sanford, Maine. Saturday, September 13th, Augusta, Maine. And um, Sunday, September 14th, the last one, Bangor, Maine. We'll be getting this together in, in, in a file and posting it on our Facebook page. And then uh, so we're taking about one month to head up there and do the events. And then we'll be taking a, uh, a couple of uh, weeks to meander on back and uh, see some sponsors, see some friends, see some fun things with the family and um, and uh, work our way back down here to the homestead. So we're looking forward to uh, to that trip, spreading the chicken love. Each event includes about an hour and a half workshop, getting started with backyard poultry, and a book signing, questions and answers, autographs, pictures, the whole nine yards. We'll have plenty of magazines free for everybody, and books will be available for purchase and autographs. So we've got that going on this coming up uh, fall. Looking forward to that. So without further ado, let's head over to the phone lines. We've got Dr. McRae that's joining us. talking. All, we're, we're talking turkey today. Let's give her a big round of applause. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Great hey, introduction. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> What's that? 
Great introduction. I love it. Talking turkey. <laughs> We're talking turkey today, absolutely. <laughs> Is that what your wife calls you when you've been obnoxious? You say, oh, you're yes, such a turkey, Andy. Turkey, turkey whisperer <laughs> today, maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe. I, I know a lot of people. Modification uh, on the line turkeys. there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about turkeys. I see you've got some good suggestions of listeners who've got maybe a couple of turkeys. And yes, Andy, you are right. If you wanted to start raising turkeys <laughs> for the holidays, you should have started in May. May. You okay. are very far behind. Yes. Um, unless you've got broad-breasted whites, and then, then you could probably start now. Yeah, you might be okay. 16 or 17 weeks, those those guys will be done. Mm-hmm. So that'll be, cool. you know, and think about it, Andy. In about three and a half months, you're going to be hearing holiday music on the radio. Um, so. Actually, I saw something yesterday that said there's only 20 more Fridays, 20 more Fridays. And, and, you know, we don't have to wait that long to actually hear Christmas music. No, no, no. There you go. I know you didn't say the, the keyword Christmas. I know. But um, uh, we said holiday. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, folks. I thought I had snuckered him. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about turkeys um, and some of the diseases they can have. Uh, so... A lot of the diseases that can affect chickens can also affect turkeys. I'm going to go over a few of them that should sound familiar, but then I'm going to go into some of the ones that, for you turkey owners out there, you should pay specific attention to. And if somebody's out there who's getting started with turkeys and is thinking about getting started with turkeys, well, you can go ahead and um, give this a listen and see if uh, you pick up any any symptoms and signs that you should keep your your eyes open for. So we talked earlier this year, Andy, about salmonella, yeah? Hello? Andy? No, nope, I've okay. got technical issues on my end. I was asking. Oh. This, I'm, I'm okay. going to call back in. You keep on talking. I'm going to call back. I may have a bad okay. connection because well, I we had, posted we in the had chat room issues. if we were all breaking up or if it was just on my end. So I'm going to see if I can get a better line into the switchboard. But okay. um, I'll, it won't take 30 seconds. I'll be right back. Okay. Well, for those of you who are still tuning in, I'm going to keep chatting. So we talked about salmonella in the, the chicks that were coming out of a hatchery earlier this year. And, you know, we were talking about chickens, but that same type of salmonella could also affect turkeys. With certain strains of salmonella, it just doesn't care whether it's a a chicken or a pheasant or a turkey or a 
duck, it's going to go ahead and infect a bird. So when you think about some of those those incidences that we were talking about earlier this year, they still apply to turkeys. So there's a little bit of perspective for you. One of the other strains of salmonella that we talk about is salmonella typhimerium. When you split up that word, typhimerium, it breaks down into typhi and miriam. Typhi refers to the fact that salmonella can cause typhoid fever. Uh, miriam refers to mice. So it used to be that um, you could get uh, turkey sick with uh, salmonella typhimerium um, and humans too. Higher forms of animals can get sick too. Paratyphoid is what we call this type of salmonella infection. It's a paratyphoid infection. Now, mostly it's due to rodents because we said that word breaks down into typhi and miriam, and miriam means mice or rodents. Um, there are at least 33 different types of salmonella shown to affect birds, so it's not just typhimerium. They're all related, um, and you can also kind of contaminate the meat. So what happens is you can get feces on the eggs and on the outside of the eggs you've got fecal contamination and so the chicks can hatch out in a dirty hatcher or um, it can kind of horizontally spread through the flock through. Um, that means it's not very often with this type of salmonella that you would get the um, mother-to-chick or vertical transmission. Doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's kind of rare. Contaminated feed and water is what really spreads the organism. So if you're using like an open type of watering system, well, salmonella takes advantage of that. So if the chicken poops in the water, then the next chicken that comes along then gets a nice big dose of the bacteria. So that's why we always recommend that you use a closed watering system. Um, you can get uh, chickens or turkeys that is, eat inf infected insects, mice, um, dogs, cats. They can carry it around. Um, so if you let your baby chick play with the dog or the dog licks the baby chick and the dog was out with you earlier in the coop, that's one way. You can get fomites or inanimate objects to transmit this organism. So footwear, trucks, dust, contaminated litter that hasn't been properly composted. Um, so there are many ways for these paratyphoid salmonella to move around on your farm. Um, one of the things, if you've got baby chicks that are kind of trembling and crying a lot, chirping a lot, um, they're not happy. Usually, if they're over a month of age, you might not see any signs. But the young birds are going to look cold. They may not eat a lot. Uh, they're going to possibly gasp. They'll have watery diarrhea. Some may end up with um, a little swelling around the eye, uh, weakness, lameness, occasionally blindness. So those are some of the signs that you might see in 
young chicks. Adults, they can carry it and never tell you. They can get infected and never tell you. And so they become silent carriers. If you open up a bird, you're going to see organs that are, um, they have lesions, they have necrosis. Um, Sometimes with the baby chicks, they don't absorb their yolks like they're supposed to. You can see streaks in the liver. Um, When you start to take a look at these birds serologically, um, there's different types of tests that your diagnostic lab or veterinarian can do. They're looking for antibodies. Um, They're looking for very specific antibodies. But when they try to grow this bacteria from taking swabs of the different organs, um, they're not looking for any specific organ to go after because this can really uh, go after different organs with equal um, uh, opportunity. So what do you do to prevent this? Well, Make sure your eggs are clean before you put them in the incubator. Um, To your breeders, if you are very serious about turning your hobby into a business, um, some people choose to inject chicks with antibiotics on day one. Um, I don't really recommend this because not a lot of people are very savvy with, um, with injecting baby chicks. They do squirm around a lot. You can chlorinate your water. Keep your water clean. Use a closed watering system. Um, You can, some people say probiotics given by feed or water early. Commercially, there is a killed vaccine for pullets going into the the commercial system, but that's usually going to be far too expensive uh, for someone who is, in a backyard poultry situation. Um, Let me address something really quick before I forget, and it scrolls on down. But okay. Was, was asking, first off, speaking of mice, uh, we live in an old, old, old farmhouse built around 1910, and, and uh, Jensen, I think we've got a mouse in the kitchen. And um, she said every time I sweep, there might be one or two or three pellets mm. of poo, and I don't know if it's just old or, or whatever, so... Um, I, I was, was going to post this on Facebook, but I never got around to it. I was going to put it in there. I think it was the night before last. Uh, was uh, we had some really cool mouse traps, and um, that are again not the old. I uh, can't stand them. Snap, you know. Anyway, so so I have some some really good ones that still snap. They're easy to set up. They're, they've never gotten my finger or nothing like that. <laughs> but um, I was I was going to post on Facebook. I was like. I find it interesting that um, as I was setting these mouse traps and setting them up in the kitchen, I set two of them up. I was singing along the old '70s Blondie song. I'm gonna get you, get you, get you, get you one way or another. <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you, get you, get you, get you. So I was, <laughs> nice. I was singing that all while I was setting these mouse traps, and I'm like, I'm gonna get you, get you. Oh, but now number two, she asked. She's got some large rats under her barn that come up and like to eat the chicken food, but she wants to get rid of them without endangering or risking any type of traps for chickens and her dogs and things like that. So I was going to let her know and other listeners know uh, a very common way to do that because no people get shy about using poisons and things. Oh, what if he's poison and dies and my dog eats the rat and it ate poison or invite. So I get that. Um, you can get a good old-fashioned rat trap, you know, the kind you set with the bait and snap and uh, instant kill. 
um, and you can you can put that in a box. So you you can build, I guess, if you have some time on your hands uh, and some and some scrap wood out there. Doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can build just a wooden box. About you know, I guess depending on the size of the rat, if you're dealing with mice, it could be the size of a shoebox. Uh, if you're talking about larger rats, maybe a little bit larger than that. Um, so nothing can get in there. Uh, your dog, your chickens, and other things. But then you could just cut a hole, uh, just a half a circle hole uh, in the bottom. Have that trap set inside that box with other baked peanut butter or whatever, and then the rat goes. So, so nothing can get to that live set trap. It is in and under the box, and you put a hole on either side, either end of the box, so enough, you know, big enough for the rat or mice to get in, and then they get that bait and snap, and, and then they're they're eliminated. So nothing can get the, the treat that's on the the, the trap. Nothing that. They can't get, you know, chickens can't step on it or get their head because it is in a wooden box that you've made or configured or bought. And, uh, again, you have just a little half-circle hole and, on and one Andy, end and the other And, remember, rodents, rodents like rats are very wary of new items within their territory. Yeah, there you go. So you want to <laughs> set this and bait it for two weeks. I'm sorry, you want to bait it before you set it, for two weeks before you actually set the trap. Okay. I've done that before, actually, with some, and some then, mouse traps past, yep. Yeah, and then, you know, all of a sudden, one day it set and snap, got them. That's a very there good solution. Go. Another, I think you can buy a tin cat for rats, too. It's just a live, it's a live trap. Um, have fun with the live rat afterwards, though. You might want to drive yeah, them no, several I mean, miles away. Think, yeah. I would rather spend my time just building this box real quick. You know, if it doesn't, it's not a per, I mean, it's real rough cut type of few nails, whatever, and then uh, and then do that, and because that would probably take me less time. And I've got this live rat, I got to load up the truck, I got to take it somewhere, and then I got to release it, and then and then I can just and then I know they're they're gone yeah. faster than me and time wise. But um, so anyway, I just there wanted to address that before it rolled up and disappeared. So sorry about the interruption, <laughs> but uh, we can continue on with the salmonella. Yep. Well, we're done talking about salmonella. Let's talk about turkey coryza now. Another name for turkey coryza is turkey rhinotracheitis. Okay. So rhino means nose and tracheitis means inflammation of the trachea. So they've got swollen sinuses and there's inflammation in the trachea. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It's uh, mostly in turkeys. It does rarely occur in broilers. Uh, you can get chronic, you can get acute uh, instances. Usually this attacks turkeys when they are more than three weeks of age. What causes it? Bordadella avium. It's a bacteria, and it does like air, and it's a gram-negative, if you have any high schoolers out there learning their biology. And it's highly contagious. Spread by aerosol. How's that for a wicked cool bacteria? So what it does is the bird coughs or, um, you know, flicks its head and and aerosolizes some of the the bacteria, and it spreads to the next bird, which inhales it. The incubation period is about 7 to 10 days, and the organism can also contaminate feces and water, for up to six months. Nifty cool, huh? So what are the signs that would indicate that you have a problem with turkey coryza? 
the birds would be stunted, huddling together. They're not eating as much food or as much water. You're going to notice that there's some respiratory symptoms, sneezing, a dry cough, nasal discharge. Sometimes it's a little bit brown, that nasal discharge. Um, They lose their voice. And you can see a little bit of swelling right below their beak in that little fleshy portion. Um, That might be a, a symptom that you could look for. It doesn't always have to be there, though. Um, and you can get a mortality of up to 50%. When you open up the birds, you're going to see that inside the nose and the throat, there's all kinds of mucus in there. Um, there's pneumonia indications in the intestinal tissue, in the um, air sac tissues. Uh, so you can see that this organism, it doesn't play nice with the birds. You can culture the bacteria, but for um, prevention purposes for your listeners, Andy, good sanitation and good biosecurity. Um, You could give them a live vaccine, but um, that's a special preparation. There are mutations involved. Your best bet, if you're not willing to go through all that, and I don't know any listener who would, since it is a risky operation, is is biosecurity and good sanitation. So if your birds are sick, um, there are vaccinations that you can give. A little bit of antibiotics should help. Um, the problem with this organism is that it can suppress the immune system, which can you know, lead to other organisms coming in and taking advantage of the weakened bird. Like simple things like E. coli could come in. Um, Coryza just means head cold. So, you know, when you see a turkey with something that looks like a cold, you're not really going to know what it is until you get a good diagnosis. So they can have... um, they can have swollen sinuses a little bit like you see with chicken coryza. Another organism that I was going to share with your listeners is something called necrotic dermatitis, or another name is gangrenous dermatitis. It happens in both um, turkeys and broilers. It's fairly common, um, but it's a bigger problem in commercial situations because nobody likes to see something yucky looking on their carcass. So what causes um, gangrene or gangrenous skin, dermatitis, inflammation of the skin? Clostridium septicum mixed with a little bit of Staphylococcus aureus and E. coli. Mm. How does this affect the birds? Well, it can be rather debilitating to the birds. happens in birds that are usually, um, well, for broilers it's three to seven weeks. It'll start somewhat near the same time for turkeys. Basically, if you don't keep good, clean housing conditions, this can occur. Um, They come in contact with infected, wet, sloppy, or caked-together litter. Um, You'll you'll also notice perhaps that yucky, wet litter causes ammonia burns. And those ammonia burns 
are kind of what damages the skin and lets the organism in. Um, this is also an organism that can take advantage of a bird that's already been immunosuppressed by something else. So it's, it's an opportunistic organism. It finds its way into the bird somehow. What are you looking for? Signs of lost feathers. Um, you're not going to have a whole lot of um, super high mortality like the last organism I talked about, but you'll notice that dead birds decompose quickly because it's already got a head start. Um, birds might have pale combs or wattles, so they'll be um, depressed looking. They don't want to eat. Uh, they may not want to move. Their legs might be weak. Um, some of them might not be able to coordinate their movements really well anymore. Um, but you'll see that uh, usually on the skin you're going to see reddish, greenish lesions, no feathers. Um, it might be where the bird's body mostly contacts the litter. So the legs, the breast, the abdomen, those areas. Um, birds may even be seen with a little gas underneath the skin. Not a good sign. Um, this is something you'd most likely notice after they've already passed. And it may even affect the muscle underneath the skin. So clean your chicken houses clean them well <laughs> please um, so clean out your houses use new litter in between flocks um, this is something that is a risk if your litter is contaminated and you've got something like a deep litter method that you're trying and it gets wet and sloppy um, may not be a good idea just to pour more litter on the top and hope that everything drains away it may be not what you were looking for, but it may be worth it to clean out. Um, you really can't do anything with, with a carcass that has this infection. It, it looks really gross. Um, nobody wants to touch it. <laughs> so that would not be a bird worth processing if you process your turkeys at home. So keeping that in consideration. Um, any other questions that I might have missed? My screen was blank here, so I missed it. All right. All right. Mycoplasma turkey venereal disease. Here's one for you. This is one that's actually spread through artificial insemination of turkeys with the semen is contaminated. And it is specific to turkeys. It's a chronic disease. Um, breeders become infected. They don't often show that they're infective and they go ahead and pass the organism on to the baby tur turkeys or poults. And the poults show lameness, some feather deformities. And so we figured out in a commercial setting this is something that can be spread via semen to the progeny, to the next um, progeny. But it can also spread by aerosol. Um, so one of the things you might notice is when you're hatching out your baby turkeys, you have really high embryonic mortality. You know that those eggs were fertile, but for some reason they just didn't make it to hatch. Um, turkeys that do hatch are stunted in the growth. They've got air saculitis, have a hard time breathing, lameness, bowed or twisted legs, um, shorter legs. Um, so they're, they're, 
their leg bone that's below the feathers, their tarsal, metatarsal bone, is shortened. Hawk joint could be swollen. You might even have deformed cervical vertebra. So, you know, these are things that you're like, huh, is this genetics? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be genetics. It could be something infective. Um, Prevention is by dipping eggs in Thailand, or you can heat the eggs to kill the mycoplasma. Not not the safest method there. But uh, any breeders that you find to be infected, get rid of them. And you are best off using that method. Test each bird individually. Keep records. Anybody who's positive goes bye-bye because you don't need to be dealing with that. That's something you don't want your poults to have to suffer through. Something similar that affects both chickens and turkeys is mycoplasma synovitis. Um, Basically, synovitis is an inflammation of the synovial fluid that's in the joints. You know when you crack your knuckles and it pops? Um, That synovial fluid that you're kind of releasing in there is in a lot of our joints. They're also in turkey joints and chicken joints. And when that gets infected, it makes it really hard for the birds to move around. It's all swollen and cranky, and nobody wants to move around when their joints are swollen and feeling cranky. So this is called mycoplasma synoviae, which causes mycoplasma synovitis. It can be spread through the egg, so it's something that mama hen can infect her her poult with or her chick with through vertical transmission. It can also be spread bird to bird horizontally inside the house. It can aerosolize itself. So it can spread from bird to bird within a house if you've got one infected bird. Things that you might see, breast blisters, pale shrunken combs for chickens, lameness, ruffled feathers, greenish droppings, and a large number of white caps to those droppings. Um, Birds sit back. They're dehydrated. Why do you think they're dehydrated, Andy? Hello? Did I lose Andy? They're not not drinking. They're not drinking. Why aren't they drinking? They're not drinking. They're They're not getting over the water. They feel like crap. Yeah. Basically, if you don't want to move around... You're going to look depressed. You're going to feel like crud. You're not going to. You're not going to want to move over to where the food and water is. Much less push against somebody else to to give yourself space for food and water. Just um, listless sitting in the corner. Yeah, lameness. So uh, you're going to feel the hawk joint. It might feel hot and swollen. The wing joint will feel hot and swollen. You might even feel the foot pads are a little bit hot and swollen. Um. If you've got breeding birds, they may not produce eggs as efficiently or they may even have thin-shelled eggs. That might be a sign that you've got a problem. So if you open up those birds, the fluid should be clear, but instead, if it's infected, it's going to be almost honey-colored. So it's going to be yellowish. And that's an indication to the diagnostic um, veterinarian that, that there's an infective organism and they can sometimes culture it. But what do you do at home? Um, Well, prevention. Test your flock. This is why we have 
several different shields available for selection in the NPIP program. There are different types of mycoplasma that can affect birds. And that's why I always encourage your listeners, Andy, that they choose a a hatchery that has as many as possible different types of certification through NPIP. So don't just ask, are you NPIP approved? you got to ask, how many different certifications do you have? Because this organism, it's kind of mean. Doesn't doesn't really like to treat the birds with any sort of kindness. Um, so you can give a vaccinations for it you, if you talk with your veterinarian about which ones they can use. A really interesting side note on this: this organism can also cause disease in swine. Really cool, weird fact. There you go. I'll go through one more, Andy, and then if you want to, you can go into a commercial break. All right, sounds good. Okay. Um, Another mycoplasma that causes uh, sinus infections in turkeys, really big, swollen, puffy, uncomfortable-looking sinuses, is called mycoplasma infectious sinusitis, so inflammation of the sinuses. It can be caused by Mycoplasma gallicepticum, gallicepticum or Mycoplasma meleagris. Um, it spreads through the egg, which can be vertically transmission. That means that mama hen lays an egg that is already containing the organism. And so when the baby chick or poult hatches out, it hatches out already infected. It also spreads through the house by aerosol, so it can go from bird to bird within the house, and that's horizontal transmission. So what are you looking at? You're going to see nasal discharge, so a drippy nose. Um, the difference between coryza in this is that you don't get that weird smell like you do with coryza when you put your nose up to the turkey's nose or the chicken's nose. This can can affect chickens as well. Actually, it can affect all kinds of bird species. So you're going to see sneezing, coughing. Their sinuses will be swollen. Um, They aren't going to want to eat very much. There might be even foam in the eye. Uh, And when you open up the bird, you might see that the air sacs have uh, some lesions inside them. So if you open up the bird, of course, you're going to see all kinds of um, caseous material inside the sinuses in the nose area. Uh, If you you notice any sort of swelling, go ahead and get a diagnosis because you don't know which of these organisms it is. Get rid of any stock that you have that has has had this particular organism. This is mycoplasma is a tough organism to deal with um, and really hard to clean up. You are better off getting rid of your stock and starting fresh instead of dealing with this year after year after year with new birds that you bring in if they survive. It's pretty wide. It's pretty widespread now too, isn't it? Uh, sinusitis, mycoplasma. Yeah, this is a really insidious organism in that people tend to um, undervalue its importance 
People are like, oh, it's a cold. No, it's not a cold. You could be dragging this around to the feed store. What do you have? What are you sharing with everybody? Is your, you know, are you practicing biosecurity? Having a cold with your backyard flock isn't the norm. You shouldn't have a cold every year. It can be treated, but certain drugs are not approved for use in the United States. So you need to work with a veterinarian who understands what you can and cannot give. Okay, Andy, I'll turn it over to you for a commercial break. Time for break, no problem at all. We're uh, talking with poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Richard McRae. We're talking about turkeys, turkey diseases, and which ones we really need to look out for if we keep both turkeys and backyard poultry and chickens and turkeys. And uh, we'll continue after this short break. So thank you very much for staying with us. More to come. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit chickenfountain.com. That's chickenfountain.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. 
ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. How would you like a punch in the beak? Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. First Thursday of the month, we're talking with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray. We're talking all about, well, we're talking turkeys, what we're doing. Uh, talking about uh, turkey diseases and uh, specifically ones we might want to be careful with uh, if we do have chickens and maybe other fowl uh, in our backyard. And so uh, we're having some good times in the chat room, too. So hope you're enjoying the show. If you're not tuning in live or tuning into the archive, thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, we appreciate it, and we'll head on back and bring Dr. McCray live, and she can uh, take the next few minutes to wrap it up for us regarding turkeys and disease. No problem, Andy. I only have a few more to discuss with your listeners. No worries. So we've talked a lot about bacteria so far. Let's switch some gears, and let's talk about a virus that's specific to turkeys. We all know that avian influenza and Newcastle disease can affect multiple bird species. So those are, of course, things that you should be worried about, not just for your chickens, but for your turkeys, too. But something that's specific to turkeys, most commonly to turkeys, and occasionally affects chickens is hemorrhagic enteritis. You know how we've been talking about Ebola um, Mm -hmm. over in Africa? This isn't too different. Africa. So this is an ag- yes, right, right here in Atlanta. What you talking about, Africa? <laughs> <laughs> so this is an acute disease and affects birds that are four weeks old or older. Um, it's a virus, and it specifically spreads orally from infected 
feces or infected litter. So that fecal-oral route that we've talked about in the past, a chicken or a turkey bends down and happens to consume feces or litter that contains the organism. This one, it's fast. Incubation period is less than 24 hours, so the birds look depressed. They've got bloody droppings. You can have mortality that's anywhere from low to high, 10 to 80%. Um, you might get a dark red or brownish blood on the skin um, or on the feathers and around vents, so that's something to, to look for. Uh, you can see that uh, the gut has been really enlarged, um, congested with blood. Um, so basically, this is a bird that should it die on your premises, this is one that you would want to get to the diagnostic lab quickly so that you can find out if the rest of your flock is going to be toast within 24 hours or so. There is a live vaccine available, so you can um, treat anybody who survives this. Um, it, it, it can look like other things like leukosis or um, toxicities. It can even sometimes look a little bit like coccidiosis or even fungal infections. And there is no treatment for this organism. Okay. Since we just talked about coccidiosis, that will be one of the next things that we cover. Um, so basically, we, we've talked about coccidiosis in the past. Um, we know that there are several species of coccidia that can affect chickens. There are even different species of coccidia that affect turkeys. So there's nine species that affect chickens, affect chickens, six of which are really important. There are seven species that affect turkeys, four of which are important. And we've talked about coccidia specifically in the past. Um, the species, the genus and species names are Imeria ad, adenoides. I knew I was going to mess that one. Ad, adenoides, Imeria dispersa, Imeria gallopavonis, Imeria innocua, Imeria meleagridis, and Imeria meleagrimidis, and Imeria subrotunda. I thought that was a pretty good name. Somebody named that one. Good job. <laughs> so the same things that you see with, with chickens, sometimes you just see diarrhea or really loose feces. Um, there may or may not be blood in the feces. I recently had a call into my office that somebody had lost a bird, and all it was was diarrhea. There wasn't any blood in the feces. So pay attention to diarrhea in your birds. Your birds are desperately trying to tell you, act on my behalf quick, mom or dad, and get a diagnosis to help me out. Um, be so a poop there, inspector. Yeah, be a poop inspector. Poopology 101. Um, that's something for you to consider. Uh, going back to the the viruses that I was talking about, um, there's turkey viral hepatitis. It specifically attacks turkeys. It's highly contagious. Um, uh, it can hit birds really quick, but typically it's subclinical. Um, again, 
fecal-oral route is, is how it spread. They're not quite sure if it's possibly vertical transmission as well. Um, it's about a one- to seven-day incubation period, and oftentimes it's subclinical, so you don't get to see any clinical signs. But if you do see anything, it might be depression, sudden death. Um, sometimes you can get uh, just sick-looking birds, all of them. Mortality can be 25%. Uh, and if you have breeding birds, they may not want to um, produce any fertile eggs anymore. So biosecurity is your prevention there because there is no treatment. We know very little about this particular organism, turkey viral hepatitis. Um, of course, when you open the birds up, you're going to see uh, you know, gray-pink areas on the pancreas, um, gray areas on the liver where you can see where the virus might be located. Another one is called PEMS, Pult Enteritis Mortality Syndrome. PEMS, P-E-M-S. Uh, it's very contagious. It's young birds that are 7 to 28 days old. Um, nobody's quite sure what kind of virus this is. Um, but there have also been several bacteria and protozoa associated with this disease spread by the fecal oral route. Um, they look depressed, and they're very suddenly dead. Mortality can be up to 100%. Um, I'm sorry, morbidity or sick-looking birds can be up to 100% with mortality of about 50%. They're dehydrated. There's diarrhea. They look stunted. Um, and their gut looks like it's swollen. Um, you know, their immune system looks like it's not working so good anymore because the bursa and the thymus, those two parts of the immune system look like they've been atrophied. So for this one, biosecurity is your prevention. Any infected flocks, I would get rid of them all. There is no treatment. And of special note, um, birds usually after that point are severely immunosuppressed. So anything could come along and and take over their bodies and give them a rough, rough shake by the scruff of their necks, maybe even do them in. Um, so there are some, some viruses out there that can do damage to, to turkeys. Um, just wanted your listeners to know that, you know, biosecurity really is your friend. Take it seriously. Um, let's see. The other one I was going to mention was, since I know a lot of your listeners, Andy, um, let their birds go outside and forage on grass. And this isn't something that's particularly infective. Um, and it's not particular to turkeys. It can affect chickens, too. And it's called pendulous crop. Mm, yeah. So sometimes it's called impacted crop, or sometimes it's called sour crop. What happens is sometimes birds get a hold of really long grasses or really thick grasses, and it gets all kind of wadded up and bound up in their crop. Instead of passing smoothly down into the rest of their digestive tract, it gets stuck in their crop. And, of course, the birds are kind of like, ah, I can't can't quite get this stuff to go down. So they drink some water, and it can kind of distend their crop a bit. Now, when you push the crop beyond its limits, 
um, when it starts to get distended, it weakens the muscles that would normally go ahead and try to push everything down. Birds may then also go ahead and start eating their regular feed. Well, then they'll continue to drink, and that feed will kind of swell up in there, and especially if you're using whole grains, this is a risk. The whole grains swell up and pushes the crop out even a little bit further. Um, this is really noticeable in turkeys because, you know, they have, they're a bigger bird. Their crops are bigger. Um, so you have to watch the pasture and manage the pasture that you have your birds out on so that you avoid this problem. So people want to move back to old methods, Andy? Well, you're going to see a return of old problems. And if you're not willing to, to seek, um, you know, a, a short, uh, fresh, uh, light pasture, like, say, some some clovers for your birds or keep the grass mowed short so that whatever grass they're getting um, isn't too long or too rank for them to eat. If you're not willing to do that, then you might want to reconsider what you allow your birds access to. So that if you do see this problem crop up, you've got a problem. Sometimes people say you can give a little oil to the birds, like say olive oil, and massage things out uh, or down. Um, this is not something I would wait on at all. Uh, birds will start to get thin because they're not getting food. Um, it's actually being blocked in the crop. Then they're not going to want to eat anymore because their crop just keeps getting fuller. <coughs> and they just essentially starve to death. And their crops look full the entire time. So, you know, put hands on your birds every once in a while. Make sure that they're actually doing okay. Um, if you if you have to resort to massaging the crop out, you might be able to put a little of that oil in and turn the bird upside down and possibly massage the crop so that it comes out of the mouth. You do have to allow the bird to breathe periodically. Um, so you might have to turn back over and let them breathe. If it's bad... Go see a vet. That means they're going to have to have surgery. And that means they're going to have to cut through the skin. They're going to have to remove feathers, cut through the skin, cut through the crop, and remove things that way. Mm -hmm. And so the area has to be sterilized. And already it's going to be a, a highly contagious situation because you've got um, some, sometimes an anaerobic environment inside that crop because nothing's moving. Um so, you know, if you get baby chicks or baby turkeys and you don't know a veterinarian who can assist you if you have this sort of situation, um, either put the bird down yourself and let, let bygones be bygones or look up the name of a veterinarian you'd be willing to go see in case this problem crops up. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, All right, Andy, that's what I have for your listeners today. <laughs> <laughs> Great information, Dr. McCray, because sure. I know a lot of our listeners actually uh, keep turkeys as well, and they're always got questions, or they're interested in starting turkeys maybe next spring. Oh, I forgot histomoniasis. How did you let me forget histomoniasis? Oh, my goodness. Just do it on the tip of my tongue. I just don't understand. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She's a Pete. 
I got carried away talking about coccidia, and I forgot to talk to your listeners about hestomoniasis. Oh, heavens forbid. Well, that's usually the first thing that people think of when they think about keeping turkeys and, and chickens together. That's usually one of the issues. If it's not mycoplasma, then it'll be histomoniasis. Um, it's called blackhead disease in turkeys, um, but it can also affect chickens. It can affect quail, pheasants, chucker, guinea fowl. Um, it tends to affect young birds. And so basically, it's um, it's a protozoa that affects the birds. It's a histomonas meleagridis. It's the name of the protozoa. And basically, here's what happens. The chicken sequel worm, heterachis, eats the uh, histomonas that are inside um, that are inside its egg. The earthworm consumes also consumes the histomonas. Birds basically eat droppings from another bird or eat an earthworm, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they. It's basically a fecal-oral route with occasionally earthworms providing a little interim host for the histomonas. Um, so you know how chickens get all excited when you give them earthworms and bugs and stuff? You have to think about, all right, where did I get those earthworms? And make sure they don't have any heterachis or, yeah, heterachis in them. So it takes 7 to 12 days to incubate this particular organism. And the birds look sleepy. They droop their wings. Sometimes you get a really yellowish color diarrhea. Um, They don't walk as smoothly. They kind of have a stilted walk. They keep their eyes closed. The head goes down. And in turkeys, they get thin, thin, thin. You can get 100% mortality in turkeys. Um, you can get 100% sickness in your entire flock. And their head kind of turns greenish-bluish. Um, then you can end up with bloody diarrhea, the sequel diarrhea, and uh, chickens. So this is something that can affect chickens as well. Um, if you have this problem, <clears throat> move fast. So... What you have to do is basically decide, what do I have? Do I have coccidiosis or do I have histomoniasis, blackhead disease? Um, it also stimulates coccidiosis. The bird's already, you know, affected by something else. Why not let some other opportunistic organism come in and ravage the gut? Hey, the door's wide open. Um, so basically you need to control worms in your flock, in your ground, in your litter. Uh, You might want to consider giving um, worming drugs to your birds. Uh, You've got an uphill battle ahead as far as work because if you get anything that looks like blackhead disease, yeah, your bluff's been called. You're not a good chicken or poultry manager. You've got biosecurity issues. The goal is to raise chickens separately from turkeys. (laughs) And what do I always say, Andy? Tomorrow's another day. You could raise birds together for 20 years, and then suddenly, bam, it's there. And you're going to have to deal with it for a while. There are a lot of other effective drugs. You have to work with your veterinarian to see which ones um, work. But this 
is an organism and a disease that really puts the crunch on turkeys. It's really destructive to turkeys. So you have to really think about, hmm, do I need to build another coop? Am I willing to put my turkey through this just to prove that I don't have a problem? Mm-hmm. So think about that, and tomorrow's another day. You never know what's going to come around the corner. Oh, I've that so long. I've used a heat lamp for the last eight years, and my coop's never burnt to the ground. Yeah. Or, I've always used heat lamps. What do you mean a drop of water can cause it to shatter? Oh, yeah. Your chicken flicked its head and water splashed on there. And, yeah, I've I've seen that and I've heard that. But that's why we ask questions. We try to learn more so that we can make changes and do better. Exactly right. Every day, learn something new. Mm -hmm. That's what the show is all about, bringing on the experts to teach us about keeping backyard poultry uh, a better way. No more rookie mistakes for your listeners, Andy. No more. Absolutely. Stop, stop, uh, stop those those horrid blogs and forums with all that bad information. (laughs) Oh, me. We don't want any of that for anybody, so... But, yep, absolutely. Well, thank you, Doc, for uh, joining us today. We do appreciate it. We'll have you back here in a uh, couple of weeks. I'm looking at uh, the 21st. Um, Yeah, more than likely, yeah, because I think we're, yeah, I think the 21st will work. We'll be on the road, so uh, there may be always that chance we're in an area where we don't have connectivity or we are physically on the road, and I can't do the show, this, that, or the other. But uh, right now it looks like it's pretty good for the next couple of weeks, so uh, we'll see you then. Thank you, Andy. Great. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. That's poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McRae. And she got her Ph.D. at Auburn, mind you, so she knows her stuff. So um, she's been joining us now for at least three years, so uh, we thank her for doing so. All right, that's going to wrap it up. As always, no show on Friday, so we hope you have a wonderful weekend this weekend. We hope you spend some time with your family and your friends. And uh, we'll be getting ready. I think this weekend is RV weekend. We're getting it all ready and kind of finishing it up. Uh, next weekend will be uh, truck weekend. And, and then packing the RV and things like that, getting ready for the six-week road trip book tour. you got to love it. Sponsored by Tractor Supply. So uh, we hope to see you at a local tractor supply for, between Virginia and Maine. So got to love it. And Monday, guess who we got? Yep, another great episode of Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. We hope you can tune us on. Tune in on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. God bless.